Are you tired of nodding along at parties to conversations you really don't understand? Make it make sense with the KYW News Radio in depth podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Jay, you drive far more than Brian or I do. How much are you paying for gas these days? Too damn much. <laughs> <laughs> About the best way I can describe it. I, I've had way too many moments over the last couple of months when I pull up at one of these gas stations and the number just keeps going. It's like, if you ever watch The Price is Right when they do the, the cliffhanger game and the guy's just steadily climbing up the cliff and you hear the music, that's me watching <laughs> the number at the gas tank go up and I'm just thinking, stop, stop. I'm thinking like this, okay, this it's at 30, 35, 40, 50, hold on, wait a minute, 50, Oof. 55, what, what are we doing? And that's, gas is like the rent prices these days, a I little too it, high. I see it pushing $5 a gallon in some places and I'm just like, oof, that is, that is hefty. I do not drive a lot. That is true. I commute when I come into the building, but my wife drives all the time for her job and also getting our kids to preschool each day. And boy, it is like a punch to the stomach or anywhere else that might hurt worse. Four sixty-five a gallon two days ago at the local Wawa gas station. Usually Wawa is pretty reasonable when it comes to gas prices, but it's over $50 to fill up our car. It's just absolutely insane. And according to Trilby Lundberg of the Lundberg survey, the current national average price, $4.38 per gallon. Insane. It's just a nickel below the highest average price in history. Everything about that just seems wrong. And we're just three weeks away from Memorial Day. So you can only imagine what these gas prices are going to be hitting for as we get further into this summer travel season. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. We'll start today with a really scary accident that happened out in Kensington early this morning. An SUV slammed into the Allegheny L station. It killed two pedestrians on the street as well as the drivers. Just a gnarly scene. And KWW's Tim Jimenez was there and he joins us now. And Tim, I've seen the pictures of this accident. That is frightening. So what was it like when you got there? Uh, brutal, Jay. Honestly, just brutal. You know, the, the white Honda Pilot was crunched up. The front was smashed in. Uh, to, this is all to the right of the entrance of the Allegheny Station in Kensington, at, uh, Kensington and Allegheny Ads. Uh, close to 4.30 in the morning, that's when I got there. And we're talking about close to two hours after the crash happened. And then, you know, this is always tough to, to see and, and talk about, but there were these white sheets covering the three victims who were killed. And being out at such scenes, you know, I kind of pause each time. You're just feet away from people who lost their lives in such a horrific fashion. Uh, it's just reality just hitting you right in the face, Jay. I can't imagine physically being there and, and seeing that. But what do we know about what exactly happened? Yeah, so this is a little bit before 3 o'clock in the morning. You had this white Honda Pilot going really fast. Uh, some witnesses are saying up to 100 miles an hour. You know, we can't verify that. But according to them and according to police, this pilot was going really fast for a couple of blocks went through the intersection of Kensington and Allegheny. Uh, then that SUV jumped the curb, hit a turnstile, which was attached to the, the entrance there of that uh, septic station, and then slammed right into the building. And before crashing the building, police say the SUV did hit three people. And uh, again, two of the people were killed. Uh, one person was hurt, seriously hurt, taken to the hospital. But uh, fortunately, that person is going to survive this somehow. 
And of course, the driver died as well in this. And, uh, you know, according to police, there there was some kind of explosion in the front of the car. There was just engulfed in flames after the crash. So once firefighters were able to get those flames out, uh, that's when they were able to, to see the victims. And then they were all killed uh, right there on scene. Uh, so just a, an awful situation. There were people around, of course, curious what was going on, looking to see what was happening. And uh, uh, just seeing this, this, this wild scene that, you know, they say is right out of a movie, it looked like. And and you mentioned that, that there were, even at that time of night, there were still people out there. What did they have to say? Anybody who witnessed this crash, what were they talking about? Yeah, Jay, they, they talked about the speed of the, the car. It was actually a surreal moment. So I'm uh, looking at this car speeding through the intersection, and it just didn't register what was happening. He was going so fast. And, and just thinking about the fact that uh, it could have been them, it could have been someone they know, they knew are right there standing where the crash happened. It could have been me sitting there or anybody during the day that's a bus stop. It's a very busy station. No one was waiting at the time for the bus, we don't believe. Uh, That's more of a thing for during the day. Uh, But the fact that something like that could happen uh, so randomly uh, to hurt the people, kill the people, of course, who were just standing there up front, uh, that's something that that really uh, was shocking to them and, and something that they're taking away from this. Tim, I'm sure this is something we don't have enough information on right now, but everyone is wondering, is there is it going to be possible to kind of figure out what happened, what caused the driver to be driving this fast and slam into, you know, this isn't just a simple slip and slide on the road. Are police investigating? Is there any way to investigate at this point? Well, you have cameras all over there, uh, of course, so that certainly will, will help in this. Uh, and the medical examiner was there that took the bodies away. So I'm sure there will be some kind of a test on the driver, you know, what, what, was, what was going on with him. It, it, we can't say anything for sure because we just don't know. But uh, yeah, there's good question there, Sabrina. At this point, uh, it's hard to say how exactly this investigation will turn out. And I know this occurred at an L station. And I, I recall SEPTA basically had to redirect trains away from there because this thing smashed a turnstile. The turnstile's laid out on the sidewalk. What is also going on in terms of just, and I hate to make it sound so callous, but that's also a transit hub, too. What are they going to do to get that back open? Yeah, well, uh, the station was uh, closed. Uh, the, the, the L was passing over the Allegheny station uh, throughout the morning, so several hours before it finally opened up, maybe around 9 o'clock or so. Uh, so SEPTA officials, engineers, they were there along with L and I to, to take a look at the structure. You had this crack on the front of the, the building, this, the brick building uh, where, where the station is. And there's kind of this crack to the right side of the entrance. So that looked you know, significant. Uh, now, according to a SEPTA spokesperson we talked to, uh, at this point, it doesn't look like there, were, there was uh, significant enough of a structural damage, uh, which was amazing to see uh, based on, uh, based on you know, looking at the accident scene. Uh, but that is what he's saying right now. And uh, there was a staircase actually right there where this all happened, and, and that uh, is closed for the time being. That's being looked at to make sure that's okay. Uh, so uh, the, the damage is incredible, especially when you think about how, how fast that car was going. Uh, but it could have been even worse the way it sounds. Uh, but again, all this right now is being looked at. Tim, we appreciate you as always being out there and getting as much information as you have. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you. Great to talk to you. We've still got a few more stories for you today, including some trouble for one of the city's most well-known cheesesteak spots, plus why several child care centers in Philadelphia were closed on Monday. So stick around. We'll have those right after this break.
I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. All right, so guys, have either of you been to Tony Luke's in South Philadelphia? I have, yes. And I have takes on Tony Luke's, non-tax takes, in that (laughs) I feel like Tony Luke's has done a great job marketing itself over the years, kind of like the ambassador of the cheesesteaks to the rest of the country or world. They package up frozen cheesesteaks and send it out. Like they're, they're trying to be the cheesesteak brand that people not from the city identify Philadelphia with as being like the signature cheesesteak. Um, it's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, Brian, that's interesting because I have never seen it on anybody's list of top cheesesteaks in the city of Philadelphia. I haven't tried it, so I can't really speak to the quality of their food. But aside from that, I hear that there is uh, some some stuff going on there that's, you know, maybe disrupting business a little bit. The owners just pled guilty to conspiracy and tax evasion. Anthony Lucadonio Sr., better known as Tony Luke Sr., and his son Nicholas admitted to a scheme to evade payroll taxes for 10 years, a decade of payroll taxes. The government says that they lost between $550,000 and $1.5 million. The government does not take kindly to you not paying that much money in taxes. No, and so... The way they went about this is just sort of baffling to me. According to the government, they were paying employees partially in cash under the table. You hear about that sometimes. But they were requiring employees to sign and return their paychecks to management in exchange for a handful of cash. Sounds pretty sketchy to me. That doesn't sound legal. That that sounds like a As whole lot of work. As an employee, I think I would be uh, questioning some things. But maybe when you're, you're getting paid in cash, you don't question things. And an IRS criminal investigations agent pointed out that this put their employees at risk, too, of losing future Social Security and Medicare benefits. So they're not just cheating the government. They're also harming their employees. Yeah, because you got to pay into that. If you're working all these years and not able to, you know, get that money stored off or when you hit retirement age, yeah, you're getting hurt there. And both the Lukes are facing up to five years in prison when sentenced later on this year. It should be noted that Tony Luke Jr., the out-and-out face of the company, is not involved in any of this. This is his father and his brother who were a part of this entire deal. One day, won't people just think I'm not going to be able to outrun the big big eye in the sky, big brother watching me? I mean, it's just (laughs) – it it boggles my mind. It baffles me every time something like this comes up. It's like, what do you think? You aren't going to get caught? Yeah, apparently they they thought that, you know, who the, we'll, we'll figure out a way to get over on them, which and I'm not sitting here telling people how to evade the government on taxes. Please don't think I'm doing that. But my guess is when when it comes to giving the checks back and then having them sign them over, which means now you have a paper trail. Come on, bro. Have we, have we not watched any movies? Have we not watched <laughs> enough of these where you at least understand that you don't leave a paper trail for this sort of thing? <laughs> Good grief. In other news, though, people who work in childcare have had it pretty rough lately, as we all know. Yesterday, several childcare centers in Philadelphia closed for what they were calling a day without childcare to demonstrate the need for a better childcare system and livable wages for their workers. They had a gathering in Northeast Philadelphia, and Aaliyah Logan, who works at Smart Beginnings Early Learning Center, said she really wants lawmakers to hear this message. I don't think they're hearing us. I think that they hear us when it's time for elections. But I don't think that they hear us. I don't think that they see us. I think they look at us like many parents look at us as babysitters. 
I cannot imagine finding any parents who would not speak to how valuable child care workers are. And they're not just workers, they're educators, they're helpers, they're muses, they tease kids' creativity, gets their minds thinking. I mean, we first put our kids in preschool uh, about 14 months ago. It would have been earlier had it not been for the pandemic. But just the growth and development they've undergone by being in school for 14 months is off the charts. Yeah, they learn stuff, but just the social interactivity, how these workers help facilitate social interactions. There is not a price you can put on it. It is priceless. Working in child care, that's one of those things I put right there with teaching. I put it there with a lot of different things. That's You're, you're effectively doing what my mother calls God's work. Well, also, guys, especially now in this post-pandemic era, I mean, think about it. Not too long after the pandemic hit, a lot of these workers were back in daycares or preschools. They were on the front lines putting themselves and their families, other people close to them at risk. So yes, of course they deserve to be paid. And then... I mean, I love my four-year-olds, but they're like, uh, at times, walking cesspools. These are like germ magnets. They're bringing stuff in from who knows where. They got to make sure kids have their masks on and all this stuff. So it it was was a tough and noble line of work before, but now it's like, it's out of control, all the stuff they have to deal with. Yeah, and I think all of that definitely kind of put this issue at the forefront. Now, if you want to look at the numbers, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average child care worker's hourly wage was 1331 per hour in May of 2021. That is less than a lot of people pay their babysitters. Absolutely. So if you could make more as a babysitter. And I'll say one more thing. Why do these people get into this line of work? Just about every person, I would think, in especially early childhood development and education, even education, they do it because they love it. They know they're not going to get paid as well as doing something else. So you might as well just give them a little bit of a boost um, to go along with the goodwill they're bringing to a profession that's so important to how we function as a society. Now, in comparison for all workers in the country in that month of May 2021, the average hourly wage was $28.01 per hour. So child care workers are making significantly less. By the way, there's another good change happening right now, too, in Delaware County. They've launched a program to provide better help for people facing mental health crises. Now, the Pilot Mobile Crisis Program is going to send out mental health professionals as support when people respond to calls involving someone experiencing a mental health crisis. And Congresswoman Mary Gay Scanlon recently secured $650,000 in federal funding for this program. We've known that encounters between law enforcement and people in mental health distress have a tendency to go south. It was something we were seeing happening over and over again around the country. And then, of course, it happened right here in our backyard. I think the figure of one in four police shootings involve someone in a mental health situation. And it, it is fitting that this is Mental Health Awareness Month, so to be able to have a program like this come about in the month of May. And we have exp- we've seen this. We've seen this, unfortunately, a lot, not just here, but around the country, of people going through a mental health crisis. The police get called, and bad things happen because either they're not prepared to deal with someone under a mental health issue. You think about the Walter Wallace death, for example, that pops into everybody's head. It does take a different type of training, and this is something that a lot of people have been asking for for a while now. So maybe this will be an example. Other counties might follow suit, and we can address these issues in a, in a different and hopefully better way. That's all that we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. 
I'm Brian Seltzer. Hopefully the Sixers get the job done in Miami and come back ready to close out the heat on Thursday. Thanks for listening. On this Tuesday, we'll be back to help you get over the hump on Wednesday.